Today is the second Sunday in a series we began last week on prayer, entitled When We Pray. And we talked about last week that when we pray, at least four things take place that we need to be concerned about. First of all, when we pray, we declare our dependence upon God. When we pray, we ask and we receive from God. When we pray, we grow in our relationship with God. And then fourthly, when we pray, we're joining with God to grow or to expand His kingdom, however you want to phrase that. So the reality is that prayer is this wonderful, awesome communication with God that God has given to us in which we can uh, grow in our relationship with Him, partner with Him, tell Him how dependent we are upon Him, uh, pour out our heart about things, ask things from Him, and the Bible promises us that we can receive answers from God, from this wonderful, glorious, great God of ours. Now I would imagine that the reality is that some of us don't pray as much as we should. Some of us don't pray as we should. And so this encouragement is to come through these a series of messages about uh, when we pray. I came across this article, actually it came across my internet for me this week, uh, that um, maybe now with school out and some of the teachers celebrating school being out, and teachers especially, I think you could identify with this. Um, uh, a young college graduate was applying for a teaching position in a certain school district. Uh, and after she'd gone through all the interview process, this is how she summed it up. Uh, she said, let me see if I've got this right. You want me to go into that room with all those kids and fill their every waking moment uh, with a love for learning. And I'm supposed to instill a sense of pride in their ethnicity, modify their disruptive behavior, observe them for signs of abuse, and even censor their T-shirt messages and dress habits. You want me to wage a war on drugs and sexually transmitted diseases, check their backpacks for weapons of mass destruction, and raise their self-esteem. You want me to teach them patriotism, good citizenship, sportsmanship, fair play, how to register to vote, how to balance a checkbook, how to apply for a job. I'm to check their heads for lice, maintain a safe environment, recognize signs of antisocial behavior, make sure all students pass the mandatory state exams, even those that don't come to school regularly or complete any of their assignments. And I'm to communicate regularly with the parents by letter, telephone, newsletter, report card, email, and Facebook. And all of this I am to do with just a piece of chalk, a computer, a few books, a bulletin board, a big smile on my face, and a starting salary that qualifies my family for food stamps. You want me to do all of this, and yet you expect me not to pray. Well, God expects us to pray. And oftentimes, he puts us in circumstances and situations, as this teacher was, in which we know the value of prayer, and we pray. And so, God expects us to pray. He wants us to pray. We expect God to answer, and God wants to answer our prayers. When we look at our scripture today from John chapter 16, we're going to find this the setting in which Jesus is speaking once again to the disciples about his departure. And he's leading them into the fact that once he departs, they will have this wonderful, awesome privilege of prayer. And so look with me for two verses of scripture in John 16, uh, verses 23 through 24. Jesus says to the disciples, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. 
my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Now, Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure. And in verse 23, he says, I tell you the truth. In verse 23, he says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. He's talking about in the day in, uh, in which he leaves the, in the, during that time of resurrection that he's there, that they don't need to ask him anything about that because once his resurrection will take place, then everything he taught them, everything he promised them, all the times he told them that the Son of Man would go up to Jerusalem, he would be betrayed, arrested, mocked, and then crucified on the cross, all of that would become true to them. They would understand that. They would grasp that. And so they wouldn't need to ask him anything then. But then he says, I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. What he's making reference to there is that when he was on the face of the earth, walked with them, taught them, and they saw him face to face. They didn't, they didn't need to pray to him. They didn't pray to him then. But once he would lead them and ascend back into the glory of God, take his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, and begin to intercede for us, then we would call upon him. The disciples and all of us disciples now who would follow after them would call, call upon his name, and we would pray, and we would ask for things in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that's the reality of prayer, that when we pray, we have the opportunity to communicate with God and we expect God to answer. God expects us to pray and we expect Him to answer. But I'm sure all of us here today could give testimony to the fact that we think we've prayed and prayed the way that we should. We've been burdened about something or somebody, some issue, some crisis. We've prayed about it. And somehow we feel like God hasn't either answered the way we wanted to or He hasn't answered our prayers at all. So how do we balance the fact that God wants us to pray and the Bible promises us that God will hear and answer and the fact that sometimes we go through dry periods in our life when it sounds like our prayers just bounce off the ceiling and they never get to God and we never get an answer? Well, the reality is there are some conditions for prayers getting to God and being answered. And that's what we're addressing today. The conditions for prayers to be answered. And there are five that I think are are consistent all throughout the Scriptures that teach us these things. Here's the first one. If we want to have a prayer life where God answers our prayers, then we need to have an honest relationship with God. In John 15, 7, there's a beautiful promise that we read last week. If you remain or abide in me and your words remain or abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you or it will be done for you. You see, there's a wonderful promise, and we want to jump on that promise, that if we pray, whatever we ask for will be done for us. What we need to realize is that there is, there is a condition that is attached to that promise about our prayer. We want to look at the promise, and sometimes we overlook the condition. The promise here is, is obvious. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Boy, we love that, don't we? But the condition is at the beginning of the verse. If, there's the condition. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Then, he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He's talking about having a right relationship, an honest relationship with God. That's what it means to abide in him. And we do that through the word of God. 
We, we, we read in the Word of God. We study the Word of God. The Word of God remains in us, and that's how we remain in Christ, by taking His Word into our life. So what does it mean for us to have an honest relationship with God? What's required of that? Well, let me give you three questions that I think the way you answer them will help you understand whether you have an honest relationship with God or not. Question number one is this. Do I refuse to admit things that I have done wrong in the past? Now, we'll be called those sins. And the Bible calls refusing to admit that unconfessed sin. And it might be an activity. It might be an attitude that we have. Or it might be a habit that we're holding on to. But we're going our own way. And that's what sin is. It's selfishness. We go our own way. We do our own thing. And the result is that breaks our connection with God. We try to hide things from God. And you can't do that. God knows everything about us. The psalmist said in Psalm 66, 18, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Isaiah 59, 2 tells us, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. So I ask you today, is there anything in your life that you need to come clean with before God? Do you need to claim 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess means that we agree with God about our sin. So that's the first question. Do I refuse to admit things that I've done wrong in the past? Second question is, am I currently ignoring any of God's principles? Am I ignoring any of God's principles about how I live and how that relates to my prayer? You see, the bottom line of that is, is that God tells us to do something, how to do it, our attitude about how we do it, and we have to decide whether we're going to obey that and whether we're going to do what he wants us to do. If we disobey, then that breaks our connection with God. 1 John 3, 21 through 22 says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, We have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. Now, that might be confusing and challenging beyond your realm of faith, that it says that we must keep His commandments. You see, none of us are perfect, right? So, what does God expect? God expects obedience, not perfection. He expects us to be obedient to what He tells us to do. But he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our frame. He knows we're just like dust. And so he knows that he's not going to get perfection. But he expects obedience from us. Maybe we can make it an analogy this way. You have a three-year-old child. And toys are scattered all over that child's room. I mean, it's just an absolute, you can't walk in there. You can't even get in the door. And so you tell your three-year-old child, I want you to spend the next hour cleaning up and straightening your room, put everything back in order. And you go about your other business. About 30 minutes later, you come back and you check on the progress of your three-year-old. And you find that things are kind of put back in order. The toys are kind of arranged and put where they should be and clothes are where they should be and, you know, those kinds of things. Now, it's kind of that way. It's not perfect. So what do you do with your child? Well, you don't punish them or discipline them because they obeyed you, right? It wasn't perfect, but they obeyed you. 
Now, suppose you tell that three-year-old to go to his or her room, clean it up, put things in order. 30 minutes later, you go check on them, and somehow they've gotten your phone, and they've been spending that time watching movies on your phone. What do you do? What's your reaction? Well, that's where you discipline or punish because you expected obedience. Not perfection, but obedience. And that's what God expects from us. He expects obedience from us, not perfection. And so we have to remember that, that God wants us to be in line with his principles in our life, to obey his commandments, to be in obedience, but not necessarily perfection. Then the third question is this, do I really want God's will for my life? Do I really want God's will for my life? You see, that really shapes our prayer life more than we would ever want to admit and see, the, First John five fourteen says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now, that's a great passage of Scripture, isn't it, about asking of God and receiving. But it's all bound up in knowing what his will is. You see, I think we come to God in prayer and we want to say, God, is this your will for me as I ask it? And that's not really how we should be asking that about God's will for our life. The real bottom line is not, God, what is your will regarding this specific incident, but God, am I in your will, period. Many years ago, one of the early church fathers, St. Augustine said, love God and do what you please. Now that can be a dangerous uh, saying if you take it to extremes. But if you understand what he's saying, he's, he's saying if you're in the will of God and you're being obedient to God and living the way God wants you to live, you love God and then you do as you please because you won't want to do anything except what God would want you to do. And so we have to know that we're praying God's will for our life. That's what's involved in having an honest relationship with God. If you want your prayers answered, have an honest relationship with God. Second condition is you've got to have a forgiving attitude. There are two things that are so powerful about prayer being answered. One, Jesus emphasizes faith. And the other teaching is about forgiveness. And if you go through and look at his teachings about prayer, you will see that faith and forgiveness go together in that concept of prayers being heard and prayers being answered. Over and over and over, Jesus talks about the need for us to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. He teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us or who have trespassed against us. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's a reminder to us that if you're holding a grudge, if you've got bitterness in your life towards someone, then you can't be in right relationship with God. And you can't pray and expect God to hear and answer your prayers. And so you've got to have a forgiving attitude in your life. You haven't lived long in the Christian life to know that you're going to need to practice that forgiving, right? Somebody's going to say something about Somebody's going to uh, cut you off about something. Somebody, somebody's going to leave you out when you wanted to be included. 
You know, it happens outside the church. It happens inside the church. And that's why the teaching so much to believers is that we have to learn to forgive. You can't hold a grudge and be in relationship with God. I mean, Jesus was being nailed to the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them for what they do. If you want to have a right relationship with God, if you want to have your prayers heard and your prayers answered, then you've got to have a forgiving attitude. You cannot harbinger a grudge against anyone. All right. Third condition upon prayer is you have to have a generous nature. Now, hear me out on this. That might, that might be confusing about that. I'm not trying to buy your answer from God, but you've got to have a generous nature. It runs like this. If you expect God to bless your life, and that's what most of us want when we pray, right? If you expect God to bless your life, then you've got to be willing to bless other people's lives with the same benefits that God has given to you. And that's a scriptural principle all the way through. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. The Word of God is saying, if you pay no attention to the legitimate needs of other people, why should he pay attention to your needs? See, God wants us to be like he is. And so he sets a prerequisite on our prayers being heard and answered as living out our life so that we bless other people. 1 John 3, 22-23 says, Whatever we ask we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son Jesus Christ and love one another just as He has commanded us. See, God says that one of the ways that we keep his commands is that by we, we love other people. And when we love other people, we're willing to forgive. John 3, 1 John 3.17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does, God love, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, when God blesses you financially, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to hoard it? Are you going to keep it to yourself? Or are you going to use that to be generous and help meet the needs of other people? You pray to God and you ask for good health and strength, and He gives you good health and strength. What are you going to do with that good health and strength? God expects you to use that in serving to meet the needs of other people. That's what it means to have a generous nature in relationship to our prayer life. If you've got a generous nature, where you're willing to share what God gives to you by the way of blessings, then God is going to hear your prayers and God is going to answer your prayers. That's condition number three, a generous nature. The fourth condition is a faith that God will answer. You have to have a faith that God will answer or or, or there's no really any reason to pray, is it? You have to have a faith that God will answer. If you don't believe God's going to answer your prayer, why bother to pray? The Bible makes it abundantly clear that faith in God's ability to answer is a requirement for any type of prayer. In Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. See, that's condition and promise right there. The promise comes first, the condition comes last, if you have faith. 
Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, in both of those passages, Jesus is not speaking about prayer for anything in particular, but it's a general prayer in whatever you ask. He's placing no limits on them. But he puts a condition on them. And that condition is that we truly, honestly believe that God will answer our prayer. See, it can go like this. What, what it kind of affects is to believe that God will do it. We say, I believe God can do it. Well, you know, that's a theological statement. That's not necessarily your deep down belief that God is going to answer that prayer. Because God can do it, whether you pray about it or not. God can do anything. Then you say, well, I believe God might do it. Well, that's not faith. That's kind of a whimsical hope, a pie in the sky and the sweet by and by kind of attitude. Well, I, I, I think he might do that. But if we say, I believe God will do that, then that's faith. That's true faith that believes God will hear. You take God at his word. You take the word of God at God's word, and you really truly believe that God will act and he will respond. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the ninth chapter, there are two blind men, an incident recorded, where two blind men come to Jesus and ask him to heal them. Jesus said, when he entered the house, Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it be done to you, and their eyes were opened. You see, Jesus didn't say according to your hope. He said according to your faith, be it done unto you. We have to pray believing. And according to our faith, as we believe, then it will be done unto us. Not because of our ability, but because of who God is. But Jesus said according to your faith, be it be done unto you. And then the fifth condition for prayer is we need to pray in an authoritative approach, in an authoritative approach. Now, we're supposed to come boldly, the Bible says, to the throne of grace, but yet we're supposed to come with humility. We're not to presume upon God's grace. So what does it mean to come with an authoritative approach? It simply means that we come in the name of Jesus when we ask of God. John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, that's Jesus speaking, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 24 out of John 16 we read earlier says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Other translations say complete. We touched on this last week when we talked about praying in the name of Jesus. What does it mean? It means more than just tagging. Okay, I pray all of this in your name, Jesus, at the end of our prayer. And I challenge you to look at the scriptures and see where you would find some great prayers and see if they tag that on at the end in Jesus' name. I think we've done more of that just for our public praying so that we know we got it kind of covered. If we say, oh, I'm praying this Lord Jesus in, in your name. But what we talked about last week still holds true this week. That when we pray in the name of Jesus, we pray in accordance with the character, the nature, the will, and the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't ask for anything outside of his character. We don't ask for anything outside of his nature. We don't ask for anything outside of his authority. We don't ask for anything outside of his will. 
when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are honoring him who is the name above all names, the only means of salvation, and the name will be glorified forever and ever and ever in the world to come. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are praying with an authoritative approach because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father and he's making intercession for us. And we offer up our prayers. Jesus is there interceding for us. And you might picture him as saying, God, this is one I died for. They believe in me. They've accepted me. And I'm asking you to hear that prayer and answer that prayer. But we have to pray it in accordance with the character, the nature, and the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to pray. And God delights in answering the prayers of his people, but he puts conditions upon that. If you do this, then I will do this. And we've heard today what he has to say to us about being in a right relationship with him, having a generous attitude, having a forgiving attitude, praying in the authoritative name of Jesus Christ, praying boldly and confidently with faith in the name of Jesus. So I would challenge you as we journey along in these messages on when we pray, that you pray and you check your life against these conditions about having prayer answered. Make sure you're in that right relationship with God. Confess all your sins. Make sure you've forgiven anybody you need to forgive. Make sure you're using the blessings that God gives to you to bless other people. Make sure you're praying in accordance with the character and the will and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then watch what happens to your prayer life. Watch what God does when you pray the way he tells you to pray through the scripture. Father, once again, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful, awesome opportunity and privilege of prayer to come into your presence and ask whatever we will of you. Help us to make sure we're doing it in the right spirit and the right conditions are met in our life as we come and that we truly do believe that you will hear and that you will answer our prayers. Father, teach us to pray the way Jesus taught his disciples. Hear our prayers. Answer our prayers, Lord, as we humbly but boldly come into your presence. Through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.